millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today on the show, UFO researcher, member of the Debrief, and host of the Paradigm Shifts YouTube channel, Christina Gomez. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Christina, thank you so much for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you so much for having me today, Ryan. Yeah, the tables have turned. I was on your show not too long ago, and I figured, hey, this is a new voice in the UFO field um, and someone who has really just dove in headfirst. And we're going to talk about that, the challenges of um, 70 years of UFO baggage to get caught up on when it comes to this topic. So um, It's a lot. I know. I've been there. So, um, well, let's start easy with the origin story. That's the best way to kind of always do this. Um, a lot of my listeners wanted to know, how'd you first get interested in UFOs, in the paranormal? But yeah, what kind of got you into all of this? So I grew up watching The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone with my dad, who was always watching reruns. And for people that might not know what that show is, it's from the very early 1960s, still black and white, uh, awesome voices by the narrator, just like classics. And it touches a ton of topics such as UFOs, the paranormal, portals, Bigfoot, um, all of these things when this topic was 100% taboo. No one talked about this, but this TV show was flourishing, um, beautifully touching on these topics, especially for such a young mind like me when I was like five, six, seven watching this until I was about, I still watch it. I'm still watching it on replay. Yeah. I never get tired of it. So it was it was that that really sparked my interest. And um, then, you know, my dad and I, because he's a really big influence to what I'm doing today. And when we used to go camping, we would look up at the stars and he would just tell me these imaginary stories about other civilizations out there in space. And it just made it. I had so many questions like, what's out there? What's going on? Do they have a government like we do and on the on these more intelligent civilizations? So my imagination would just run. I would muse about this for years and years. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to learn more about this. Uh, later on, as the years were progressing, and I kind of had like somewhat of a background knowledge, a lot of people start on this kind of topic with campfire stories, you know, like s'mores, <laughs> sitting on a campfire with all your friends. So when I used to go to horse camp, when I did um, Western horse riding and competing in rodeos, um, so like the very first time I went to girl camp, and 
there were campfire stories talking about ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, all of these things. And you're getting a different flavor from when you're outside in the stars with a bunch of other people versus watching it on television. You know what I mean? It, it adds that different kind of spice to your life. And, and it, in, in some cases, it makes it more real because then you can hear other people tell their experiences or even BS the story. It doesn't matter. The fact is that you're seeing their expressions and you can see your friend's expressions being like, <gasps> in shock, you know? Yeah. I, I <laughs> so, still get that from, you know, friends and family and colleagues when I tell them, yeah, a craft landed in uh, Rendlesham Forest in 1980. And they're like, wait, what? There's like documents on this. I'm like, yep, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Even though it's becoming more mainstream, it's still not mainstream. People don't actually know these kinds of stories just yet. So then in high school is when I really started diving into it, like uh, watching every kind of TV documentary that I could, like Unsolved Mysteries and a bunch of others on the UFO, like on the UFO topic and the paranormal. But I I was kind of weird in high school. I didn't talk to a lot of people. I hung out in the library every day. I would ditch class to hang out in the library. And so I, I wasn't very comfortable talking about this topic to others. And, you know, also in high school, you just want to fit in, you know, like you don't want to stand out. You don't want to wear the clothes that aren't trending. You don't want to talk about topics that no one else is talking about. Like that's a big, big no-no. So high school was kind of not my favorite time of my life. But as (laughs) soon as I entered college, you know, I went far from home. I didn't want to stay in my hometown. So I traveled up far, got into university. And that's when I wanted to start having this discussion with like-minded people or just just people in general, like my peers. I I just wanted to really start talking about it, getting other people's insights, getting their opinions, getting their stories, getting their ideologies on why they think what they do. But it still wasn't popular when I entered university. It was like, it was still a joke topic and people that did talk about it were under some kind of substances and didn't want to talk about it unless they were in that mindset. But I wanted to do it with the most clear head possible and really get into the nitty gritty science not not just the opinions not just the religion like some people might focus on but like what we're actually seeing mm-hmm. without bias without without being like well i think it's like no 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 i want to know exactly what it is of course many people don't know unless it's an ifo right an identified flying object then you're like oh yeah it really is a flying crafter oh yeah it really is a weather balloon But for that 1% that we don't know, that's the answers that I wanted. So I started to analyze public UFO um, submissions to from like different platform collections such as MUFON and public posts to YouTube. And I started analyzing them by enhancing the footage, slowing it down, trying to put in filters to see things that might not be seen through the naked eye and just posting it on my YouTube to analyze this footage without any bias or any opinions to the best of my ability so I never added my voice never added my face for like the first year of having this YouTube channel because I just wanted to get the the truth out there yeah right and and I'm sure once you did finally get like your your face out there everyone was like whoa like not only is she you know not 
55 years old, but she's also not a dude, which is um, another issue we're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, that's so cool. I didn't know that you started with like photo and video analyzation. Um, I was not aware of that. That's really cool because we need more of that, especially right now with all these video leaks. Right. And, and, you know, I was having this conversation with alien scientists and he brought up a really good point. It's like in today's world, we have CGI, we have Photoshop. So it's so much harder to decipher what we think is real UFOs and what we think are IFOs. And, and with this footage, it's, it's always grainy. It's blurry. It's like all over the place. And you're thinking every time we take a good, a good video well there's a lot of reasons to why people can't get good videos one of them being is that cell phones are just not used for that so but um people have to scroll down through my youtube channel and you will find them there you know all these analyzed videos not just from the u.s but all over the world i mean whatever i could get my hands on is what i would analyze and and if it did end up getting debunked i had no problem saying okay guys I'm sorry, it's actually an IFO. This is what it is. And I will put it in the description box. But all the other ones, if they're UFOs, I leave it at that. And people can come up with their own conclusions on what they think they are. Because I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to say, well, I think it's this. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to have people think for themselves. And the big reason to why I have this Twitter handle, Eyes on the Sky, is for people to look up for themselves and see what they're looking for. Have that curiosity yeah. burst inside of them and be like, oh, I just saw something crazy. Right. And I think everyone can attest to that in some way, shape, or form. I feel like every person has had something in their life that they can't explain. And the biggest thing holding them back from telling someone is uh, they're going to think I'm crazy or you know, the whole stigma and ridicule with these topics. So like you mentioned, that seems to be changing now, especially with your generation, um, right. I'm on the cusp of like, you know, Gen X and um, millennials. So it was a little better for me, but I have so much faith that like you guys are going all in because you have that luxury of knowing science is at a place at your young age now where the possibilities are endless. And it's like a given that life exists somewhere else. And it's a given that there might be other dimensions like Absolutely. we're really starting to unravel these questions. So and not I think just that's that. Cool. Yeah, it is. But not just that. I mean, these kids have access not only to the internet, but all of these TV shows that hit on those topics. There are some, you know, really hit TV shows for kids and for the more mature audience about aliens, about portals, about other dimensions. We have Stargate. We have the newest TV show, Resident Alien, which is hilarious on the sci-fi <laughs> channel. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I've seen the pilot. Uh, it's so good. Oh, so good. Oh, I know they are funny. It's already gotten uh, picked up for a second season. So good for them. I'm excited. Okay, good. More good. Because I was looking forward to it. But you're you're yeah. you're having these TV shows, even um, a cartoon from the early 2000s called Invader Zim about an alien that comes to Earth trying to explode it, you know, kill it, and uh, never succeeds. So and and then there's another show called Debris, which is a brand new show that came out around the same time as Resident Alien. Um, that talk that talks about the government finding this debris across the globe, 
and it, it's creating these weird portals that this changing the environment, um, all of these things. And so, yes, our generation, my generation is so lucky to have this information to get them ready for what could be coming in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to see what comes next, especially after this UAP report comes out, which we will get to. But, um, you know, you mentioned you kind of, um, you got involved and it, look, when I first got involved in this topic, Christina, like it was overwhelming. I didn't know what was truth, what was fiction, what cases were real, what's been proven hoax, but like, um, and it's dizzying and you really can't tell up from down, left from right. And um, so I guess my question would be for you right now in 2021, after you've kind of now, gone all in on the whole UAP thing. What's like your favorite case? What's the one that really drives you um, in the UFO world right now? Well, first, I want to answer the talk about the point that you mentioned about there's so much disinformation out there on the internet. So like, yes, we're very lucky to have the internet and have all the information to our fingertips. But at the same time, there is so much that we don't know where to look and it's really hard for all newbies because now that it's hitting the mainstream media people are like oh my gosh ufos the 180 day report gimbal all of these things the tiktok whoa you know but they're there when you start diving into it like getting serious it's hard to look for information so i Really, And that's why I really started just analyzing footage without giving my opinion and why I feel like I'm so behind doing all this um, cases on the research just because there's so much and you don't 100% know what's real and what's not. So it's really good to have people that are in the field that you trust that that can kind of lead you. In, in, a, in, in a direction and having multiple people that specialize in a certain topic, the paranormal or the UFO topic, and um, just having a little bit of faith first off, right? But also to be a complete skeptic. You don't want to believe everything that you're told. You don't want right. to be a woo-woo. You want to be skeptical and try to find the facts as best as possible. Yep. I I think the safest way to be in this field, and I tell people this all the time, is to be an open-minded skeptic. You know, not enough open-minded that your brains fall out, the old cliche of that, but enough to be like, look, like, maybe science just isn't there yet. And there is, um, you know, multiple explanations for what we might be looking at. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Case history is like one aspect of all of this. And there's some people who have that down, you know, to the day, the time of every UFO case that's ever been put out there. But um, I respect that again, like you're coming at this from a different approach than just a UFO historian. You know, you're not like memorizing every single UFO case out there that's been because we have important stuff going on right now. Um, Well, you are a student, if you don't mind me sharing that, I think you've, yeah. you've publicized that. What, like, what do you study? Does it in any way correlate to what you're doing in the UFO world? And second, I see, I, I see you laughing. What do your friends and your schoolmates think about you being the UFO person? So that's a lot of questions in one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna address all of them. So, so okay. the first one that you asked that I didn't answer was my favorite cases, uh, the Travis Walton case. 
awesome. Oh, yeah. And the uh, Whitley Strieber case, his the book Communion, love them. Yeah. Uh, because it, it, it has so much to it. It, it oh, I, I, I don't even have words. I'm just like, yeah. Star Trek, I'm like, oh my gosh, all amazing. Um, so as for college, yes. So I'm in college and I'm studying business and communication. Not what people would think for um, someone in our field. But when, you know, because you apply for college in high school. And, and in a lot of cases, you don't know what you want to be. You just want to graduate and get out, right? So I picked degrees. I I started with communication and I just picked it because um, I like people a lot and I like uh, working with them. But before I was all of this and I was like a, a normal, you know, teenage kid, I used to work at fast food restaurants and I loved it. I used to work at Chipotle. I used to work at Panda Express, um, not because they're easy jobs, but just because I liked that fast pace movement. I like to be mm -hmm. around food and around people and to give them a need being like, you're hungry. I got you. And that passed over to what I'm doing now. It's like, oh, you have a need for information. Here you go. No bias. Um, it has some nice of its natural flavor, like salt, but I'm not going to add any of my jalapeno sauce to it. You can add that if you want. So that, that's kind of a weird metaphor, but in my mentality, it really makes sense. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, again, like you're not putting your personal bias on this thing. And that's the most objective way you can approach this. I mean, I get emails every day from people saying, what is this in this video? Or like, what can you, I like, I, I had a bout of like sleep paralysis last night, but I think also like I might've been abducted. So what happened to me? And I'm like, I, I can't tell you what happened to you, but look, this is what I've been told. This is what maybe you should look into and, and go from there. I think that's the responsible thing to do. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Them. It, guiding them. Exactly. So what are your, uh, what do your schoolmates, your friends think about you having a UFO YouTube channel and um, working for the debrief and all that? They don't know. Really? 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 Okay. Okay. That's totally fair. Um, they don't know. When it comes to my, my family, they don't know because they want me to be very focused in my college studies and not have any distractions. Well, this is a pretty big distraction. <laughs> yeah. Little so, did they know. Little did they know. I used to be a full honors uh, student for the majority of years I was in university. And then now that I'm getting so serious into this, you know, really pumping out my YouTube, uh, shifting the paradigm and the other one, Mysteries with the History, uh, it's become a really big distraction. So I'm no longer an honors student, but I'm still passing. So it's okay. <laughs> That's all that matters. Well, let's, matters. let's go. Let's go right into that, your YouTube channel. Um, you interviewed, this is one of the ones I recently watched, uh, Dr. Jacob uh, Hakmisra on the mm -hmm. debrief, actually, yes. um, who's a senior research investigator at Blue Marble Space Institute, which I've looked a lot into in the past, their work in exoplanets and stuff. Um, so I personally, I don't know about the rest of the viewers and listeners, but I'd love to know how that discussion went what did you find like most compelling about what he had to say 
So the great thing about the whole thing, because as for the debrief, I'm kind of like their UFO girl. I usually interview, you know, people that are more focused in the UAP topic, either like James Fox, who creates the documentaries, Lou Elizondo, who talks about it on the news every single day, being a part of, was once a part of ATIP. Um, and then getting this other stance on it of not talking about UAPs exactly, but kind of going around the topic, still talking about space, but talking about life in space, talking about what needs to happen in order for life to evolve. And if you have certain star systems, how that affects life on those planets, things of this nature. So it was really interesting to hear him talk about what his profession is, why he does it. And, but without getting into like the woo woo stance, the crazy stance of like, oh my gosh, aliens? No, 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 no. It's like, there is life. There is life out there. And here is what we think is happening to these species um, that are growing on those planets. Hmm. Yeah. Again, I think it's baby steps. Like, we have to remember that. UFOs don't have to be connected to aliens. That's the first question I always get in interviews is, all right, so the Navy saw UFOs. So the, they clearly aliens exist, right? Like, that No one's saying that. Like, no one these, is saying that. Yeah, that you have to keep them separate. There's absolutely no definitive evidence that that is the case. So um, again, exactly. I think that's what's really cool. And it goes back into UFOs. It's an unidentified flying object. Until it becomes an IFO. And this has been talked about throughout all of this 180-day report. You're hearing this all the time. It's like, it's a UFO until it becomes identified. Until then, we don't know what it is. But it's not saying that it's aliens at all. Right. But it could be. And if it was, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, aliens are still on the table. I thought it was interesting that the New York Times, like, you know, that leak said... Uh, Pentagon looked at it, um, probably not aliens, but now they retracted the headline and said, could be aliens. So I found that pretty right. interesting. Everything's still well, on the table. It seems like they're digging a hole from their, like digging a hole for themselves, going back and yeah. forth, back and forth. Even with Lou Elizondo, they're saying he did work for ATIP. No, he didn't. It's like, they're not helping themselves. They're not helping themselves. And that's something that I really want to touch on. Uh, A lot of people are putting all of their pies, all of their eggs in one basket about this 180-day report. And every single person I ask, every person that either enters my stream or if I enter theirs, that's always one of the topics. And people are excited about it because they're like, oh, the government's going to disclose aliens. And I think they're going to be really disappointed in what they're going to read. Here's the thing. When it comes to disclosure, we know what's happening out there. We have an idea that we're not alone in these skies. There are UAPs that are flying over our airspace. We know this. So I don't think disclosure is going to come from the government. It's going to come from us, from the public. That's why we have somewhere in the skies something is happening in our skies and we need to have our eyes on the skies to be our own disclosure it is through experiences it is through seeing is believing that kind of mentality right the seeing is believing mentality is when we disclose information for ourselves and that becomes a virus 
when that spreads, we don't need the government to say, oh, yeah, so UAPs, they're actually drones and aliens don't exist. The public's going to say, wrong. Um, I encountered something and I know this to be true. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It takes, you know, every person who has an experience to finally start talking about it so that enough people are sharing it and it becomes normal. And then we don't need, like you said, the government to tell us what is or isn't. Again, I don't give a crap what we get in this UAP report in terms of what the Pentagon thinks, because I personally don't think they know much. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe some of the cases they share with us. Um, Maybe one or if they do very good point. Um, or if they share any videos or photographs, which, you know, we will argue about for the next 10 years, like we have for the Tic Tac and all this stuff. But that's that's a whole other story. Um, They were seagulls the whole time. Damn it. Damn it. Um, Well, you know, besides the debrief, um, what are some of your favorite interviews you've done over on your personal channel with um, with paradigm shifts and everything? All of them. All of, them. Just, all of your children are your favorite. All of my children. Well, yes. But he, here's the thing. Again, I'm a complete newbie. And the reason to why I have shifting the paradigm to the reason to why I have these interviews is to get answers from those that are credible in that field. Because again, it is hard to do research and not know what's true and what's not. I don't like to be asked to questions because they're all opinions, because I don't have a lot of knowledge from my own experience and or from doing research. But I like to ask questions that I'm having, that others are having to help people get inspired about the topic, but to find the answers that they need or that they're looking for from those that specialize in that field. So all of them are my favorite. They all have a different aspect to this whole UAP topic. And I'm looking forward to what the future holds on other people that might be dropping some really inform- like really cool information that other people including myself might not know about mm-hmm. yeah and you have a wide spectrum of people that you've invited on the show so i highly suggest people go subscribe to the channel so many amazing conversations you got going on there but um well i want to get your thoughts on this christina um ancient aliens now this okay. is again this is aliens in the mainstream more than anything um right. else out there Everyone and their mother has seen the show at some point. So what are your personal thoughts on the whole ancient alien theory? Is that something you buy into or have looked into? Or, um, you know, for me, I find it very problematic in some ways. But, um, yeah, what do you think? What do you think about ancient aliens? No, I, I, why do you think it's problematic? I, I want to hear that. Absolutely. The, the thing I find very problematic is uh, this idea that, um, you know, that certain cultures who have created incredible, you know, things throughout the the centuries, uh, that they needed an alien intervention for that to happen. Um, that cultures were not smart enough, were not, um, you know, their ingenuity just wasn't there, that they were able to do these incredible things like build the pyramids and, and whatnot. Um, so I always had an issue with that. I don't think they give humans enough credit on that show that, of course, Humans are too dumb. We got to have aliens come help them and uh, intervene in this. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the issue I've come across with the whole 
ancient alien theory, but I'm also not throwing it out the window and saying it hasn't happened because, again, we don't know. So, yeah, those are my personal thoughts. So I would have to say that there's there's a few things I want to say, but one of them being is they're one of the very first TV shows that actually brought it into the mainstream. So even though we might not agree on exactly what they're talking about or the history that they may provide the public, the fact that they're even talking about it, making it a possibility with Earth's history, uh, I think is a really big step. And and I, I think that what we know of Earth's history is just a tiny bit of what of like what's really happened in history. And there, there are whole epochs of time missing from our history classes because supposedly there were five mass extinctions. We then, we humans, are newbies. And there are species much older than ours. Maybe they visited, you know, why not? We don't know. So how how they how ancient aliens depicts the carvings, the art, the uh, stories. It's merely a possibility. It's merely speculation. No one's saying that it's fact, but the fact that they're even talking about it again is is big, and it's a good thing. I think you bring up two good points. The first thing is questioning what we've been taught is always very important. For sure. And, um, and asking those questions. And second, like it has done wonders for bringing the UFO topic into the mainstream. You know, I may have issues with ancient aliens and everything, but look, I've been on the show. I've spoken at their conferences. So I'm probably not the one that should be really, uh, talking too much <laughs> negative negativity about them. But, um, right. the reason I did those things, Christina, was because, um, it got it out there. Like the reason they had me at their conference wasn't because I was an ancient alien theorist. It was because I was an actual UFO researcher who had decades of um, knowledge on the topic. So they said, look, most viewers come watch our show to be entertained and to um, think, think maybe these things are possible. But let's get them caught up on the history of UFOs, all the cases that are out there, the way that scientists are looking at it and scholars and academics and psychologists and stuff like that. So that was kind of my reasoning for being like, okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, And there we go. Like, hopefully I opened a couple minds up to looking at the actual UFO topic out there other than just ancient aliens. So yeah, I think you bring up good points. But also along with that, when you're comparing it to other UFO TV shows that are just eyewitness accounts that are just merely opinions or what they saw with ancient aliens, they are kind of providing you more facts, even though it's more of interpretation of what the art might convey. It's more factual because there's evidence out there laid out for you for you to look at and make your own conclusion while with eyewitness accounts you're just believing what these people are saying and being like yeah definitely happened or that's absolute bs so when you are comparing it to other ufo tv shows i think they're just naturally more credible because of the evidence that they provide yeah, their whole could it be, you know, that's kind of the uh, the tagline of ancient aliens. Um, they're not saying it is, but could it be? And they, they do a good job at looking closely at old age mysteries. What's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. 
Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, let's talk about history for a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on, um, you did a a episode recently about USOs, a very hot topic in the UFO world right now. Uh, Unidentifiable submerged objects, if I'm getting that correctly. I should know that as a UFO person. Um, And you did a whole episode. You brought a bunch of different cases throughout, um, God, not even just the last few decades, but centuries about USOs. So um, what was your favorite USO case that you looked into for that episode? So two of them were my favorite. One of them is really short. The other one's kind of longer. So I'll go ahead with both. The first one uh, was in 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Sorry, you know, (laughs) learned it from school. But he wrote in his diary that he encountered these crafts or these candlelights that were jumping in and out of the water. And I really like reading these more ancient or older accounts of um, sightings is because hopefully if there's a translation, like if there is a translation, hopefully they do capture some words that aren't changed through translation. So for him, he didn't say lights that were jumping up and down. He said like a flickering candle because there was no electricity at this time in 1492 no electricity so if that was translated differently that would have a different con like connotation to it and 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 it might lose its credibility a little bit more so that one was really interesting i'm like oh my gosh the most famous man in the united states 
encountered a USO. And that wasn't his first time. There are a few others in his diary that he talks about seeing these weird, unexplainable crafts in the air and in the ocean. So that one was one of my absolute favorites. But the other one that happened in Japan in 1803 called the Utsurubune. And that is translated as hollow ship. Some say that this story is one of the oldest stories of when humans interacted with um, an extraterrestrial. But of course, we don't really know that. That could have been maybe in just in Japan and maybe not globally. But again, we don't know. But this one was um, nicely documented. And what happened was in February 22nd of 1803, this really strange looking boat um, washed ashore in Japan in the Hitachi province. And it was something that these fishermen at the time had never seen before. It was disc-shaped vessel. You know, it had windows. It had metal bands below it. And it looked kind of like like a, like a rice bowl, in, in a sense, like a rice pit. So that's the best way they could describe it is because they have that already in their country. A rice pit. Otherwise, how else would you describe it if you don't know what it is? So when that when this craft landed on shore, um, they saw inside of it that there were these really strange writings etched in the wall, like very unusual fabric never seen before in Japan at this time, bed sheets, carpet. But there's also a passenger on this on this ship, a young, beautiful woman. She had red hair, pale pink skin, red eyebrows and she wore a long garment made of a material that again wasn't known to these Japanese fishermen. What's so fascinating about this story is this woman we're like oh maybe maybe she could have been Japanese but red hair was not a thing in Japan. Having pink colored skin is still not a thing anywhere in the world. So when these fishermen tried to speak to her in Japanese, she didn't understand what they were saying. And they were so frightened of this woman because they didn't they didn't want to have bad luck, right? They're more they were more superstitious at this time. And what later on from the writings in several books that were only written about 20 years later after this incident, um, they believed the fishermen believed that was later progressed throughout history. This will make sense while I'm going. But the symbols that were etched in the wall in this rice pit craft could also be compared to some of the alien symbols from Roswell, New Mexico. How credible is that? We don't know. We don't have the craft. But from what was documented in the three books that were written about this Utsurubune incident, those researchers that went back to it from pre- like present day researchers that went back to um, this 1803 story were able to f- somehow find a correlation between the Roswell incident and that one in Japan. Again, we don't really know. It's all speculation. But I find that really fascinating altogether that from something 200 and something years ago could somehow be stitched in, stitched into one of the most famous stories of all time the roswell now 
is so cool. I know. And like, look, even Luis Elizondo has recently come forward. I believe it was with um, the Washington Post and said, hey, Tic Tac that they saw in uh, 2004. We found documents that people are seeing these Tic Tacs back in like the 40s, the 50s. So I think that's really interesting that we're finding patterns with these craft that some of them were cited, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And now we're still seeing them today. Yeah, those those are really interesting cases. Again, predating everything we thought we knew about UFOs um, and culture um, and language plays exactly. a big role in all this too. Like you mentioned, like these these fishermen only had so many words to describe what they were seeing. Um, you know, the description of the rice bowl, like that's how they could compare it to something they recognized. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And things that we still do today, like why do we call it a Tic Tac? Well, because it looks like the Tic Tac Freshmen's. That's how our yeah. language progresses is from things that we already know. And we added something that we don't know, but are trying our best to explain it. That's why we have metaphors, similes. Well, it's like this. Mm. Yep, exactly. It defies language. This phenomenon truly does. Um, I know you've looked into hotspots with really weird things, you know, like obviously everyone knows Skinwalker Ranch is probably the biggest one right now. Um Bermuda Triangle, obviously, there's so much lore to that. But um, I know you've come across other areas where, like, we're not just seeing UFOs, we're seeing cryptids, we're seeing paranormal activity. So, yeah, what's some of the research you've done into these uh, paranormal hotspots throughout the world? So, yeah, again, it is across the world. It's not just one or two places, but it's more than what we could ever imagine. These kinds of hotspots, these certain locations across the globe harbor a ton of different weird sightings uh, that are unexplainable for many. And it's not just one or two places, but it's dozens of places, locations on earth. One of them being is called, I don't want to say it wrong, but I'm going to say it. It's called the Hoya Baccio Forest in Romania. And how it got that name is from a uh, shepherd who had 200 sheep and he wanted to go through the forest as a shortcut. And his name was Hawaii Baccio, but he never exited the forest. Of course, how true is that? We don't know. It's from so many centuries ago. No one knows, but it got their name The forest got their name from that shepherd. Later on in the 1970s is when it really began to gain its popularity globally. When a, um, a a military technician with his girlfriend in the 1970s captured a photo of a UFO. It got published and it went viral. I guess viral for that time, right? They didn't have internet. So it went viral through the newspapers. (laughs) (laughs) which takes a little bit more time than maybe today. And that's really where it kicked off when it was seeing these weird crafts that were flying at intense speeds, doing turns that are unimaginable at the time for airplanes that we still can't even do today. We still cannot replicate what Tic Tacs and what these other crafts do today. So it really shocked this man And it became more popular to go visit. 
this forest is called one of the most haunted forests in the world because it's not just a UFO hotspot, but it also people also see um, they also see disembodied people like just certain limbs floating um screams that don't really have an origin shadow people and all all of these things that would be classified as the paranormal that many people do not believe even to this day but the locals there in romania don't enter the forest they say do not go in the forest um you will not return and um, i'm way too scared to enter of course people might think it's only a wives' tale to scare their children to be to behave well and to not run away. But a lot of the locals truly are scared of the forest. Those that have the guts to enter, they complain of physical harm, including rashes, nausea, vomiting, migraines, burns, scratches, anxiety, and other unusual sensations. One case that was... I don't want to say it was fact-checked, but that was caught on camera, was when a TV show called The um, Destination Truth entered that forest to document it. So there's one crew member by the name of Evan. You know, he was sat, he was sat in a clearing. He's probably exhausted carrying all the camera equipment because we know how heavy that stuff is. Very heavy. And uh, he was sat in a clearing, taking a break, and he hears this... like women voices right behind him and a flash of light just like enter through him he was so terrified he ran to the other side of the clearing just like just mortified of the situation because when he looked behind him there were no women behind him he was by himself in this clearing but later when he collected himself and calmed down he noticed that he had like this burning sensation on his arm and so he lifts his long sleeve t-shirts and he sees scars on his arm and you might think oh well because he ran he might have ran through some tree branches and they scratched him all this kind of debunking stuff possibly but there were no scratches on his long sleeve t-shirt there was no dirt there was no holes it was only after he lifted his shirt that he that he saw like claw marks on his arm so that's a i mean that was really big it happened you know i think just what a decade ago maybe 10 years or less and um it was caught on camera so it's pretty horrifying uh for for those that live there but people that like that kind of wanting to be daredevil right will enter the forest and wanting to see this weird stuff because there's also missing time people believe that it's a portal to another dimension again they see shadow people there was this i'm gonna hit one more story it'll be really fast yeah about this uh little girl she was five years old no sorry she was a little girl and she got lost in the forest for five years she just disappeared obviously like everyone's so scared they're trying to look for her they spent days and days and days trying to find this little girl five years later she comes back not dirty didn't age wearing the exact same clothes she wore when she disappeared clean as and she had no memory she had no memory of her even leaving so it was kind of like she entered a, a time portal yeah 
again, we don't know. She was five years old. She could have been making it up. But the rest of the town that lives right next to this forest um, are eyewitness accounts because they said, nope, this girl was really gone for five years and she came back as if nothing ever happened. She didn't even age. Wow. That 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 one gave me chills. Not the not the uh not the woman screams in the forest, but oh my god. Like can you imagine like being lost for five years when like for you it might have been like just a couple seconds, but for like us in this dimension, in this time and space, five years goes by. And a lot of people think that's how these things travel. You know? It's like, yeah, it would take whatever, a hundred light years for something to get here, but maybe it's just the you know, blink of an eye for some advanced civilization or interdimensional being. Exactly. And that's why it's so healthy to have the mind run in in a curious, with curiosity, because we can answer these questions at some point in time. This is why we pay scientists to try to find out anti-gravity crafts. It's through that curiosity to trying to find the answers, to trying to be better to trying to get the human race to go out into space it's because of curiosity it's because of wanting to know these answers that are already happening on earth every single day every day i love that well i know you've looked into um you know superstition mountain bradshaw ranch uh, the suicide forest in japan so i will leave that to the viewers to check out your videos and everything that you've done on those christina but um Before we get to the listener questions, um, there's this event coming up that you had mentioned briefly to me on July 17th, Um, and this has to do with eyes on the sky. So can you tell us a little about that before we get to our burning listener questions? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So this event is happening pretty soon this summer, and, and it's called Eyes on the Skies by this Reddit group that got exposed to the topic from the mainstream media touching on UFOs almost every single day. But they were thinking, you know, we want to make it an international event for people to look up in the skies and find answers for themselves because they didn't feel like the media was giving it enough exposure of just of just looking out in the skies and seeing stuff out there. Instead, we're seeing a lot of credible people in the military, in the Navy, talking about the Nimitz, the Gimbal, the Tic Tac. And like, yes, those are fascinating. They're opening people's minds. But for those that maybe are not a part of the military, um, don't have that mentality. They don't really understand what's going on. It's a bit too technical for them. So these Reddit people that later con- that later contacted me through someone else saying, hey, we're having this event July 17th and we really want to expose it to the whole world at some point just to have people look up in the skies all over the world and maybe capture something in London, in Houston, in, in Tokyo, just, just to have a more collective mentality for the public to be curious. So it's still under the works. Um, I'm trying to help out how I can to get it public, um, publicized. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. Of course, I will be out July 17th looking up in the skies at night and hopefully recording some stuff. But uh, overall, it's going to be really exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing people just getting involved. 
and it, it's completely yeah. free. I mean, no one's no one's asking for money. No one's asking them to. No one's asking anyone to like like the Facebook page or anything. It's just to open people's minds to look up in the skies instead of on their cell phones. Thank you. I was just going to say, there's a reason it's called Eyes on the Skies. If people just looked up, they'd be amazed at what they could see. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot more UFO reports coming in during this pandemic, because people have the time to like go outside. They're like hungry to just go outside. They've been trapped in their houses, apartments, dorms, whatever, for so long. So I think that's why we're seeing such an influx in UFO reports and interest in UFOs. People are now home and going on the internet and like looking into stuff they never looked into before. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I feel like we're creating a lot more conspiracy theorists out there as well. But um, that's really cool. I, I will definitely be joining you guys. Imagine if like everyone in the world just decided to look up at the same time and like record what they saw, like what we could do with that data and that evidence. It's just, exactly. it's amazing. Exactly. And, and if some, you know, there are some Oriental countries that can get hundreds of thousands of people to meditate for 30 minutes all together in the same location. I don't see why we can't just look up with their eyes into the sky and have that same kind of effect of just that, I don't want to say the word freedom, but in a sense, freedom to do what you want, but to do it with others. That's beautiful. I love that. I, well, I'm really looking forward to that. I will definitely take part with you guys. Um, awesome. Well, I hope you'll take part in these listener questions with me, yes. Christina. I will fire them yes. off for you. Um, we had some excited right. people. Um, my first one comes from one of my patrons. So my Patreon subscribers get priority to ask questions of our guests. So if you want to be the first in line to ask our guest a question, help somewhere in the skies. And do the same for Eyes on the Skies and Christina over at your YouTube. Um, so our first question from Patreon, Greg. Greg asks, with the U.S. government about to release a report from the, uh, the Pentagon Task Force, it's important to normalize the subject. What are some good ways, Christina, that you think we can shed the stigma and ridicule with this whole UFO topic? Watching these kinds of live casts, watching them, sharing them liking them, talking to others about them, because not everyone um, has the same interests, right? But it's having these discussions, planting little seeds in people's minds without bias, without forcing your opinion, but just talking to them about it um, is a really big deal. And I, 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 it's possible everyone can jump into this topic. And now with the mainstream media touching on it already, um, that's a really big deal. That's a really big deal. It's a really big step because it's being talked about. And like Luis Jimenez says, when you're uh, when you have that break at the break at the water cooler, drinking water, be like, hey, did you watch the news about aliens? You're like, no. OK, well, you better go watch it. It's like, OK, I'm going to watch <laughs> it and then watch all of these podcasts to get a more in-depth, in-scope tunnel vision answers to what they're looking for that maybe the mainstream media can't really answer that's so cool and again i think the power lies with us you look at something like um george knapp and jeremy corbell releasing these ufo videos and the reason that they didn't come out from the mainstream media first is because they wouldn't touch it it wasn't until after Corbell released these things and Knapp released these things that they were like, whoa, there's a lot of people talking about this. We should probably cover it. So I think it's important that um, 
the educating the public on this topic is not coming from CNN, is not coming from the History Channel, Fox News. It's coming from things like what you're doing, what I'm doing, what Luis is doing, and all these passionate people who've been looking into this topic for so long. And we have to remember that someone like Luis Elizondo, who worked for the Pentagon, specifically told us on Somewhere in the Skies, I don't know if he said this with you at the debrief, but they're watching us. They're on our Twitter accounts looking at what we're doing and the cases we've looked into because they have not been doing UFO studies for 30 years like a lot of these UFO researchers. A lot of them got put into these positions. They're behind. So (laughs) They're behind and they need the information. So they come to us and being like... Yeah. What do you got for me, Christina? I know it's it's freaky in one way. I get a little paranoid, but then I'm like, good. I'm glad the work I've done is actually doing some good. Um, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're just like, yeah, nah, they're a little crazy. Well, we'll but that also that, shows but. that that they're not in control of the narrative, that they don't really know what's going on. So exactly. it goes back to the 180 day report. How much do they really know? Who's writing it? Where are they getting their information from? Yeah. Truly. Such a good point. Truly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's such a good point. Um, awesome. Let's see what Montana Casey on Twitter asks. Uh, I have heard, I've heard you ask many folks what they think the source of UAP are, Ryan. So I would love to know what Christina thinks the source of UAP are. Do you have like one singular answer for that, Christina, or an answer at all? What are UAP? Where do they come from? What are they doing here? Look, I'm I'm really reluctant to even speculate or give my opinion on what they are because I really do not have a solid opinion. I mean, I'm open-minded to a small minority of compelling sightings being from another civilization or from another dimension or even from the future or a hidden race we share with on this planet, um, maybe coming from deep under the oceans, right? USOs. But I'm I'm just open-minded uh, to many sightings being of conventional origin, like drones or other mundane things. I mean, there are a lot of things out there that are man-made that get misidentified for the most part. So I'm I'm seeking answers and I'm looking for the truth. So I haven't made up my mind with a solid belief or opinion on what they are. But I do muse a lot about this. I, it's like it's like we're looking for a mystery. So it's like, okay, we're looking at a mystery that's like a mirror that has broken on the floor and has and it breaks into many different fragments. And somehow we're trying to make sense of how we put it all together. But when a mirror breaks on the ground, you see different facets of the ceiling, different facets of the of the furniture around you. Your face looks distorted. And, and that kind of leads into disinformation. It's like you have so many pieces which ones are real, which one are distorted or misinformation. And so if I go the route of thinking that it's not aliens in these UFOs and that it's our own technology, in some cases, I don't feel like it, it's a far stretch. And mm. let me tell you a story on that, on why I think that way, because it, it, it'll make a lot more sense. So cool. in 1903, the Wright brothers invented the airplane. We know this, right? They were the pioneers of creating the very first successful airplane. This was paradigm shifting technology. But what happens in no time, every country with a sufficient infrastructure is building and flying these airplanes. 
And then it wasn't until the Second World War was when the United States entered their very first air battle between Japan and Germany. Here's why I'm saying this. The United States created the airplane, right? They invented the airplane. But other countries had already weaponized this invention before the country that invented it. Okay, so so it, it was a game-changing technology that became a deadly challenge to us and to why when inventions are now found or things that are under the works, right, like maybe some things that we see in the sky are kept under wraps to the best of its ability because look what happened with the Wright brothers. Other countries got the information and weaponized it before the United States was. The United States did, even though the United States created it first. Is that fair? Well, it depends on how fast you are in creating these things. So if if the government did create these things that we're seeing in the skies that are going these insane speeds, doing these insane turns, and they're blaming it on aliens, it turns people's eyes somewhere else while the military is right here tweaking their technology, not telling other countries, because the mentality of the military, regardless of what country you're in, is to always have the upper hand, to not let your enemies know what you're doing, and to make sure that you are ahead of them in every possible way. It's whoever can sort of, like you said, weaponize or possess that technology first, like game over to be completely honest. And you know the Wright brothers didn't create the first plane to be used to drop bombs over countries and to, uh, you know, do these sorts of horrible things. Um, No, it was to achieve flight, to do what we saw these incredible birds do and, and possibly UFOs too. So yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. But again, it's it's just speculation, you know, it's just thing that I muse about outside of the box. Uh, So I'm sorry that I didn't really answer what I think UAPs are just because it's it's such a big question and there are so many possibilities. Yes. And I loved the mirror sort of analogy because it does. It reflects everything a different way the minute you move that little piece of the mirror. So you're you're your perception and your thoughts on it are going to change constantly. So no, I thought that was a really good way of answering the question actually um, for what that's worth. Um, Well, sort of talking about, um, I guess, uh, military and sort of government involvement. um, John bot on Twitter wants to know, what do you make of the whole Bob Lazar story? This guy who claims to have reverse engineered flying saucers out at S4, um, you know, near Area 51. Do you believe any of the story about Bob Lazar and all this, all this stuff he's claimed to have uh, been a part of? I'm, I'm open-minded. Look, I, I don't, I don't want to judge him as true or false. Here's the big thing that he did. Even if he was lying or telling the truth, he brought it to the public, made people question what's happening what's happening, what the government is funding, and to try to reverse engineer crafts that maybe that that maybe that they find. Look, regardless of it, if it's real or not, it's opening people's minds, including mine to the curiosity. Is it happening? We don't know. We don't know. Like whether you believe Bob Lazar or not, like he kind of put Area 51 
on the map. And he did make us ask these very existential questions. What if we right. did have a flying saucer? What if something did crash exactly. in Roswell? And it starts that curiosity. That's what scientists work on to have the inventions that we have today, such as the internet, such as computers, cell phones. It's that curiosity. What can I do to make life better? What can I do to just make everything better than what it is right now? So it all starts with the discussion to figure things out, you know, to figure out the mysteries to the best of our ability. Absolutely. Um, he Kate Gamgee on Twitter asks, have you found it hard as a woman to be heard or taken seriously on these topics in these communities that you're a part of? I will say I am so lucky to start my journey in 2021, 2020, uh, just because it's been a lot easier than maybe for other women that had to endure it in the 80s, in the 90s, Linda Moulton Howe, Leslie Keen, these women that were not taken seriously. So yes, it is a bit uh, difficult, but I am so lucky to be where I am right now. There, of course, have been some cases where I've been ignored, um, who I won't name, who I really wanted to interview. But I guess they see my age, my gender, my my lack of experience, and uh, they just ignore me. So it's a bunch of things. It's not just being a woman. Uh, there are so many other factors behind it. But like I said, uh, I'm lucky to start it in this era and be taken yeah. seriously by many. Not by all, but by many. By many. And, you know, you can only hope that those who feel that way will eventually come around like most people do. And again, your work speaks for your for itself. It doesn't matter what gender or identity or nationality or whatever. Like we're all in this exactly. together to find answers. Exactly. So I totally get that. And, you know, I also I'm so happy you brought up those names because these were the women that kind of paved the way and um, went through hell just to get their information out there. You know, they could give the best lecture for two hours with the most compelling evidence of all time. And what's that dude in the front row going to say? I don't like the color of her shoes or she, her hair looked a little, a little bad, not about the amazing groundbreaking evidence they brought forward, but are they going to say that about the guy wearing the, uh, the tweed suit and his buttons are all done wrong and everything? No, they're not. It's just, you're scrutinized different in these fields as you are in many different areas of the world and, um, you know, fields as well. So um, I, I see it changing. I'm excited for the future of um, more uh, female identifying individuals getting involved in this topic. And um, look, if you and Chrissy and, um, and UFO Jane and all these other amazing women out there are the future of it. Like I have no doubt we're on the right path. So um, that's a really good question. I'm glad she asked that. It is I an issue it, in this field. I wouldn't say necessarily it's an issue, but it's just, you know, one side dominates it more than the other. But here's the thing, like you said, more women are jumping into the topic. And the biggest thing to why I'm here to why a lot of us join this field is not only to find answers, but to inspire others. Why there's the reason to why there's so many people in this is so that those that are watching can find one person that they connect to. That's why we're all different. And that's why we all tell our stories slightly differently. So regardless if you're a man or a woman, your age, um, your ethnicity, there's going to be someone else that's going to connect with you and they're going to feel involved through you. I love it. 
Um, all right. Audrey. Audrey on Facebook asks, my nieces are starting to research the UAP phenomenon. Yay, Audrey. That's awesome. Um, they're researching it more and more. They've even mentioned starting a podcast, but they're unsure about how to go about it. So she wants to know, Christina, do you have any advice for the her young nieces out there who want to get involved in both UAP research and the podcasting one? Jump in head first. You're going to mess up a lot. You'll only learn as you go along, but just do it. Watch other people that influence you, that inspire you. And just to get kind of get an idea of how they reconcile with the information that they're given, their setup. But uh, don't wait another day. Jump in it today if you're watching this. Whenever you watch it, just start with basic equipment. You can even do it on your cell phone and go for it. You got this. Um, inspirational words from someone on the right track. Here is our last listener question, Christina. Um, Gerald on Twitter asks, um, uh, this actually reminds me of my most recent Ask Me Anything. Um, I had my parents and sister come on the show to talk about what they think about when I first got involved in this and what they think now with everything going on with UFOs. So um, Gerald asks, when is Christina going to tell her parents what she does? I'm sure they'd actually be very proud of her. Um, we touched on that a little bit earlier, but yeah, you ever gonna you ever gonna tell them that you're um, you're one of us now? You're one of us. Uh, probably when I graduate college, when they're like, <laughs> "Okay, you have no more distractions. You can tell me anything." But here's the thing: when parents say, "Oh, you can trust me. You can tell me anything," you can't believe it. <laughs> it's not always true. Yeah. So I'll always true. But I, I, yeah, but when I graduate as when I'll as when I'll probably bring it up to them. Be like, hey guys, cool. guess what? I, I have a side diploma in ufology. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I Minus love the it. degree part, just the information yeah. part and all the hours exactly. put into it. <laughs> That's what it's all about, though. It's not that piece of paper, Christina. Um, well, closing questions for you. What do you hope to get out of all of this? I mean you know, we got your reasons as to why you kind of got interested, got involved. But for you as an individual, what do you want out of this? I've asked this of many people and everyone has amazing answers. So um, putting the pressure on you right now, what does Christina want out of all of these journeys she's on right now in these topics? I want I want the future to be us knowing what's out there. I want the world... I want a world where we evolve as a species in into space. Like I, I want kids of my generation, kids to come to not be in this battle of disclosure in this marathon instead of a sprint. I want it to be an open topic for everyone and just to know that there's so much more to life than what we see on earth. There's so much more to life than the internet, than our cell phones, than TikTok. Um, just by looking up into the stars and letting your curiosity run, you can create anything that you want. People are, people are stuck with distractions. Again, like the Kardashians, cell phones, Wi-Fi, TikTok, all of these things. And, and it really just dumbs down the imagination that we all inherently have, either through art or through trying to invent something or by just asking uh, really curious questions to others. That's what I'm, what I'm hoping 
what I'm hoping to get in the future by doing what I'm doing now is to inspire people and to know that I want we should live in a world uh, where we evolve as a species. I love that. Again, I always tell people we're into these topics because of the ambition we see displayed in these phenomena of like what's possible that we just don't know how to get there yet. It's going to happen. We're not an yeah. earthbound species. We're curious. We've already traveled to the moon. We have uh, probes on Mars. We have we have all of these things already orbiting in our solar system because of our curiosity. Next is just to send ourselves out there farther than going to just the moon. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What comes next? So that's my last question for you, Christina. What comes next for you over at the channel, over at the debrief? Any big projects you can tell us about before you go here? Well, today... I don't know when this will be aired, but uh, today I'm having a show called When Worlds Collide, uh, when the world of law enforcement gets confronted by the world of the paranormal and the world of UFOs. Also, um, on Fridays, I have Shifting the Paradigm, where I interview UFO researchers and enthusiasts on the UAP topic. And I'm trying to have more episodes of Mysteries with a History talking about all topics that fall under the umbrella of the paranormal. Awesome. Christina, That's we, this was a marathon. We covered so much in the span of like an hour. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. So I know you have a show to go prepare for. So I'm going to let you go. But um, where can we find everything you're up to? So I put all of my updates on Twitter at Eyes on the Skies. And then I, like I said, have a YouTube channel called Shifting the um, (laughs) Paradigm Shifts UFO channel where I have the uh, show called Shifting the Paradigm, getting them confused. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, again, all my updates are on Twitter. Well, this has been super refreshing. I'm so happy we finally made this happen. I know we've been talking about it for a while. So, you know, more than anything, Mm -hmm. welcome. Welcome to the crazy u- world of ufology. Um, uh, I know that you're going to make some amazing discoveries along the way, and I can't see what can't wait to see what you come up with next. So, thank you, thank you for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you, Ryan. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Have you ever looked up to the skies and seen something you can't explain? Or walked deep in the forest and sensed something watching you? Do you believe in an afterlife or a hidden veil that can communicate with the living? Then you need Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Download all issues completely free at shadowsmagazine.co.uk. Shadows of Your Mind, where your search for the answers begins. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.